0: foundations. Foundations are important. If you are setting out to build a house, the most important detail arguably is the foundation of that house. They serve the purpose of holding a building upright, holding it steady, um, keeping it all together. And having a good foundation for a home will lead towards a sturdy house that is strong, that will withstand the elements and stand the test of time. But having a bad foundation, well, that's not so good. That will lead to some problems. Bad foundations lead to problems. Good foundations set you up for success. And in our passage today, Jesus is teaching, and it's the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. And he's wrapping up... His sermon his longest sermon and he's talking about foundations Much like foundations that we worry about for buildings and roads and walls and businesses Jesus is talking about a foundation for us to build our life upon and so Luke chapter 6 verse 43 through 49 says this No good tree bears bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit And each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus goes on, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I will show you what he is like, who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent and the flood struck that that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This is Jesus' word to us, and as we read this, it's important that we know that this passage, I believe, can carries significant weight for every single one of us, especially if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This passage carries weight. And as I've said, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Luke's account of it. And Jesus is describing two different foundations here. The first is a foundation that's built upon a rock. A foundation that is dug down, it's deep, it's well-founded. This analogy Jesus uses to say is similar to a person that hears what he has to say and then puts it into action, acts in obedience of what he's heard. It's not just the knowledge that, is, that he's gained, it's a knowledge that he's in turn putting into practice to help him become the person that God has created him to be. The second foundation here is a house that's built quickly on sand. Maybe the builder thought as he's doing this that he knew what he was doing But he didn't dig the foundation down as deep as he should have. It just isn't sturdy. And Jesus says, this is similar to the person that comes to me and hears what I have to say, but doesn't do anything with it. They hear and they go home. They haven't applied what they've learned. And Jesus then describes after these two foundations an event that occurs. A flood comes. And notice that neither house is outside of the conditions of this flood. Both are affected by this flood, and as the waters come, both houses have to defend against the flood and the waters that are coming. One survives, one does not. I think this is a good reputation of rep- representation there we go of what happens in life. The flood will come. Trials will come. Pain will come. Suffering will come. Evil will play a role in every single one of our lives. And notice Jesus doesn't say if the flood comes. He says when the flood comes. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And in his perspective, it's certainly a flood that will come and rage against these houses and against us. And so when this flood comes... Two outcomes. The first person built his house on a rock foundation. He dug past all of the sand, and it says that when the waves and the floods came, they rocked against the house, but it was sturdy. It was sound. It was unshakable. It withstood the storm. Second person, sand foundation. Wasn't dug down very deep. He thought he knew the right information. He thought he was doing the right things, but he didn't build his house properly. And so the house collapsed. And it was ruined. It was completely destroyed and wiped away. It was washed away by this flood. So that's the story that Jesus is giving. The analogy that he's closing his greatest sermon with. And I think that oftentimes as we read the Bible, and I know when I do, sometimes I struggle to understand what the Bible is saying, what Jesus is trying to teach me in the midst of it. But I think this is one of those passages that is pretty easy to understand, and it's pretty straightforward. And so the meaning of this passage is focused around the importance of building your life on the right foundation, either on rock or on sand, doing it correctly or not. Being able to withstand the floodwaters of life and the pain and the suffering and the trials that come our way. Jesus is saying that if you want to survive those things, you need to have the right foundation. In this closing illustration, his longest sermon, he wasn't content, never in his ministry was Jesus solely content with just sharing knowledge of God. Never was he content with just making sure that people heard what God had sent him to say, but instead, he was concerned about what they were doing with it. And Jesus wanted to spur these people on, and they've just heard about how to love God and how to love other people, and he's saying, now go and do it. If you don't do it, you're going to get washed away. And so we... We hear believing equals doing. And so Jesus calls us into action and He's calling these people into action. He doesn't want them to just hear it. He wants them to do it. To listen and to understand and to move into action and change their lives because of it. And so that leaves us with two choices. And these choices are pretty simple. The first we have is to hear and act in obedience to what Jesus is teaching us. It's not just coming to church and listening to a sermon and hoping that it makes you feel good and then going home and going about your normal life. Hey, okay, for instance, hearing and acting, Pastor Mark has finished up a great sermon on spiritual gifts these last several weeks, and he laid out that God has given these to us for a purpose and for a reason, and they're not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of His kingdom and the people around us. And last week, Mark gave you tools, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, to go and take an assessment that's on our website, actually, to help you figure it out and help you move towards that, to live the life that God has created you to live. And so last week, I was sitting here, and Mark threw these seven truths about service and spiritual gifts, up. And as I was reading these, something struck me. We've been created for ministry, called into ministry, gifted for ministry, authorized for ministry, commanded to minister, needed for ministry, and rewarded for ministry. As I was sitting there in that pew, you know what struck me? I need to do something. You can't read this and walk away and say that Jesus hasn't called us to do something actively in following Him. Ministering is something that happens outside of these walls, outside of the hour long service that we have on Sunday mornings. Created, called, authorized, commanded. And you're needed. You are needed for ministry. So you have a purpose. You are valuable. That's the Word of God. And that's where Mark pulled that from. The words of Jesus to us. And so, considering that, I have to ask you, what have you done as a result of that series on spiritual gifts? Have you tried to figure out what your spiritual gifts are? What are you doing now that you know what your spiritual gifts are how are you benefiting god's kingdom because of that have you taken that assessment that mark offered have you figured them out and i have to ask you and i know this is harsh but if you haven't why what are you waiting for The God that you believe in, the God that has created you, has called you to minister, and He has given you the gifts and the abilities and the tools to do so, why aren't you doing it? Second option we have here. The first, hearing and acting. And Jesus says that's what leads to a a solid foundation that is what allows you to withstand every trial that comes your way in life, in every situation, in every season of life. The second choice that we have is to hear and not to act. Hear and obey. Hear and don't do anything. And this is coming to church every Sunday and then going home. No different. Living life as usual. Maybe you're saying, yeah, that was a really good sermon. It made me feel good. The words go in one ear, out the other ear. They don't have an impact on the way that you live your life, the way that you talk to people and about people, the way that you think, the things that you do, the ways that you prioritize your time and your money and your energy. That's hearing and not acting. This foundation is built quickly. And when the storms of life come and the floodwaters come, ruin is the result. simply means you're broken apart, you're thrown down. And so this foundation is weak. These two choices have an eternal impact on you and your life and the people around you as well. Are you going to hear what Jesus has to say and then act upon it and change your life and seek to become more like Christ? Or are you just going to come and sit in a pew and hear it and go home and go about your day? Are you going to act in obedience? As you read through the Gospels and you read Jesus' teachings, something that really stands out to me is every time He interacts with people, He always calls them to... Something And what you see is large crowds of people following him And it seems like when the crowds were largest following jesus That's when he would be the hardest on the people And he would create this fork in the road that says hey, you're either going to do this or you're not going to do this He would teach something very hard and difficult for them and people would walk away Say I can't do that. I think of the rich young ruler He says, what does it take to gain eternal life? And Jesus says, this is what it takes. Go and sell everything that you have. And the guy's like, I can't do that. Jesus lets him walk away. Because that guy heard, but he didn't want to act. People get enamored with Jesus. Christians get enamored, and they like the idea of Jesus... But when it comes to doing something for Jesus, only if it's safe, only if it's not too risky. Jesus, he asked this question in verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord? That question is something that every single one of us in this room have to wrestle with. We refer to Jesus as Lord all the time in our lives, but do you truly believe that? Because to call someone Lord, you are calling them master over your life. Not advice giver, not sounding board. You're calling them master over your life. You're asking them and giving them the permission to direct your steps, your thoughts, your actions, and your deeds. And then you're seeking in everything that you say, do, and think to honor that person with your entire life. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Obedience will indicate whether or not you truly see Jesus as Lord. Are you obeying the things that he has commanded you? Are you following his teaching? Obedience, mind you, doesn't save us. It's faith that saves us. But I believe that real, true faith is obedient faith. We go to James, and I'm going to read this passage. It's long. But it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled... And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Throughout Scripture, it's not just James that says it, it's Jesus that says it. If there's no works that are associated with your faith, it's dead, it's worthless. It's not present. Show me your faith by your works. Works are a product of true faith and true belief. In that culture, in that time when Jesus was talking, the Jewish people believed that there wasn't a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge in their actions. They believed that Your actions, your words, your thoughts, your deeds, everything came out of your heart and what you believed. So if you weren't doing certain things, it's because you didn't believe it. That's the culture that Jesus was speaking into. And in our culture today, that's not always the case. True faith and action are not two separate things. They're the same thing. They go hand in hand. They work together together. If you believed in God, your life would reflect it. Your words, how you talk about people, your thoughts, your actions would reflect it. And going back to this analogy, one of these houses is built on a solid foundation, the other on a poor foundation. And it would be really easy for us to assume that one of these houses looked a lot better than the other house. But I'm going to propose that both of these houses look the same. On the outside. They were both new. They were both shiny. Freshly completed. The yards immaculate. The paint perfect. The decorations on the outside of the house. Fantastic. It wasn't what was on the surface. That separated these two houses. It was what was underneath. It was the foundation. That created the difference between these two houses. There's a lot of good people in this world who live and act like many of us do as Christians. But they've built their house on the wrong foundation. They've built their life on the wrong foundation. And there's even a lot of people who claim to be Christian that do Christian things that have built their house and their life on the wrong foundation. In our culture today, I mentioned what the culture with believing in action was back then. Today, I think it's become that believing is something internal. It's something that we just keep inside. It's a head knowledge. It's just something we need to know. And that's where it needs to stay inside of us because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to drive people away. And so it's it's okay for us to talk about our belief in God in safe places like in a church surrounded by people that we know believe something similar. So we look for safe places to share it. And even then, sometimes, we're very careful with what we share. We look for safe people with the right setting. And many, 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 many Christians today, including some sitting in this room right now, follow this pattern of thought that believing in Jesus is just a head thing. It's knowledge. It's internal only. And they've allowed routine and tradition, routine of doing announcements at the beginning of the service to kill their passion and their fire for what Jesus has called them to do. And believing in Jesus for them is attending a safe worship service for an hour on Sunday morning, maybe throwing a safe amount of money in the offering plate, Maybe serving in a safe way that doesn't take up too much time and energy because i got to have enough time for myself. Also that they can have fire insurance and not go to hell. Then they go home and they live the life that they want to live. Comfortable, easy, safe, not very challenging. They focus and they work really hard save a lot of money so that they can retire well someday, so that they can provide for their families, so that they can have everything that they want and need in life, so that then their kids can grow up and go to college and get a good job, so that they can work hard to have enough money to give their families what they want and need, so they can retire well, so their kids can do it. And it's the cycle that happens over and over. And those aren't bad things. I'm not telling you those are bad things. But people place their foundation on those things. And that's the bad thing. Please don't forget what Jesus taught when he said, wide is the path that leads to destruction, and many will follow it, and narrow is the path that leads to life, and few will find it. So how do... What do we do with this? We have two houses, two foundations. We have seemingly two choices. One is a foundation that's dug deep and it's well-built and it's founded upon the rock and it's going to withstand the floods and the trials and the suffering that come your way in life. And the other is a foundation that's built quickly on sand. Suffering trials come in life and it's washed away. Nothing's left. So the question I have to leave you with, on what are you laying your foundation of life? On what are you laying the foundation of your life? The lie that we buy into, and I think it comes from Satan, is that it's enough to just know about Jesus. It's enough to just hear about Him. But it's not enough. Okay? It's not enough. It's not just enough to hear. But instead, have you acted in faith? Have you sought repentance for your sin? Have you sought to make Jesus Lord, Master, Commander over your life? Are you allowing God to transform you on a weekly, daily basis? When you go and you hear the Word of God and you say, this is what Jesus said, are you doing something with it? are you allowing God to work through that to change you and to mold you into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ? To be the person that God has created you to be. Many Christians today build their life on false foundations. Money. Jobs. Careers. Material things. Being a good person and going to church and giving to charity and being active in the community. Christians put their foundation on family. But are those things, if you stop and think about it, are those things strong enough to to withstand the test of time, to withstand trials and suffering and pain and loss? Maybe for a little bit. Because bad foundations never give way right away. They never crumble immediately. But as things come... They start to corrode and fall apart and you end up with a hundred year old home That looks like a jigsaw puzzle Not put together (laughs) So how do you how you respond in times of difficulty is a really good indication Of what your foundation is built on And i'm going to say this and this may seem harsh And maybe I've been harsh all morning and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry at the same time because it's that important. If you think that following Jesus is coming to church on Sunday morning, sitting in a service, listening to a sermon, and then coming to church on Wednesday night for a meal, if that's what you think following Jesus is, you are cheating yourself. You are missing everything. You are missing the life that Jesus came to offer us. When I read Jesus saying, I've come that they may have life and life abundantly, abundant life is not sitting in this room. If that's all that following Jesus is to you, I'm going to say this. You're better off staying at home and getting a couple hours more sleep. Because it doesn't mean anything to you, it's not real. That's not the abundant life that Jesus is talking about. Jesus came to offer us more, to offer us life. And I've experienced just a small glimpse of that in my life. And every time I experience that, I want more. There's life in the spiritual gifts that God has given you. There is life in looking to the interests of others. There is life in sacrificing your own desires and wants for the sake of other people. There is life in the laws and the commands that Jesus offers us. Because he says that this is what will give you life. This is what will help mold you and shape you into the person that you have been created to be. There is life in in surrender and letting go and giving your life over to God. There's life in surrendering the things that we hold oh so dear sometimes. Abundant life. That's my desire for you. I think that's our desire here in this church is that you would experience the life that God has created you to live. And that comes... Through hearing and acting. Where's your foundation?